Steve, happy Tuesday. How are you, man? Uh, doing good. Doing good, man. It's uh, crazy times. The bad news just like keeps rolling in every day, but I think that's to be expected. This thing's going to spread, and uh, you know, more people are getting tested positive. So, yeah, yeah. I think for the few weeks here, it'll be negative. Um, on the bright side, we got Lenny Nelson on the show. What's up, Lenny? <laughs> hey, how's it going? You were back by popular demand. People were rioting and threatening to boycott the show unless we got you back on. So here you are. Man, people must be really, really bored being quarantined at home. <laughs> God, that's funny you said uh, rioting. It's just a completely off thing. But my dad on Saturday, like, talk about like misinformation stuff out there like somebody texted him like you could tell it was a total doctor doctored up document it looked like it came from the um homeland security basically saying like uh on sunday night uh, you know they're issuing a uh, two-week complete lockdown you're not allowed to leave your house go to the store now uh uh-huh. this will take effect once the national guard is in place to prevent looting and rioting and businesses uh, and my dad got it, you know, he's 65 and just not, you know, like, oh my God. And he started calling, you know, me and his other children. And uh, I was just like, second I got it, I was like, oh my Lord, it's crazy the amount of crap going out there right now. Fake news. <laughs> Lenny, you, uh, we just posted something yesterday on Instagram. You were out with your son shed hunting this weekend. I guess that was, uh, if you can't do the death hike, which we were supposed to do last weekend, shed hunting with your son has to be like the next best thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is so typical me. I'm like, it was the worst possible place I could take an eight year old. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's literally from like 1900 to 6400 feet. Oh, and, and you had to, you know, go across a couple ridges snowshoeing, you know, and he's got I've got like, you know, really nice snowshoes. And he's got these little kid snowshoes that are just balling up with snow. And so yeah. we're trying to, we backpacked in, spent the night. We got in kind of late, spent the night, got up in the morning and try to go across a couple of ridges. And I could just, you know, with your kids, it's so important to make sure that when they're this young that they're still having a good time. And I was definitely pushing that border where I'm like, okay, just one more ridge, bud. Just one more ridge, you know. And I think you probably heard me say that before, Steve. But uh, <laughs> yeah, with my uh, eight-year-old, after about four or five ridges, he was like, no, Dad, we can't do this anymore. But hey, we we uh, we side-hilled across this nasty slope, and we finally found a horn. Which after that, he was just like, oh, this is awesome. I want to spend another night. So it was worth it. <laughs> That's super rad. I was going to ask you about that. Like, how do you? How do you balance that, like making it fun and making it enjoyable, but at the same time, you know, knowing you and like raising a son, you like want him to be tough, right? So you want him to push him a little bit. Like that's something I've thought about, you know, because on one hand, like with my son, it's like you want him to just relax, like be a kid, have fun. But then at the same time, you also want him to be like, all right, you got to be a man, you know, that type of deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I definitely I try to get him as involved as I can. I feel like he's doing something. Um, you know, like right now I'm going to get him like a decent pair of binoculars. Cause you know, as I'm glassing for horns, he's just sitting there looking at me like, this is boring. Um, you know, so I try to, you know, and then this time he took his own pack and it was so funny because, um, he literally had like a three pound sleeping bag and a one pound sleeping pad in it and a little bit of food. And, but it's just, you know, it's just filled to the gills cause it's not stuffed in down and mm-hmm. he just he just thought that was the most awesome thing dad i want to learn how to be self-sufficient I almost got everything in here and he just thought it was the greatest <laughs> thing oh that's so cool man i saw in that picture i noticed like he was wearing little solomon's 
no gaiters. You guys clearly had been through snow. He was soaked like up past his knee through his pants. How does he handle like just kind of that discomfort type thing? Yeah, he was, um, he was at that point, I think when that picture was taken, we just, and we'd had a side hill and he kept sliding down the hill because his, his, um, I mean, it's like, you know, like a 35 degree slope side hill and across with five feet of snow. Um, and so he kept falling down and slipping down the hill and he was definitely getting a little frustrated. Um, but you know, he, he's a, he's a tough kid. I mean, you know, if it was my daughter, it'd be a completely different story, but I mean, I remember when he was two, he, he fell off the, the bar stool and he broke his arm and we went to the doctor and he's like, he's like kind of a real stoic and the doctor like kind of squeezed on his arm and he didn't flinch. The doctor's like, it's not broken. And I'm like, man, there's something really wrong with it. And he didn't flinch. And the doctor's like, oh, he would have flinched. Two days later, my son's still like holding his arm. I took it back. I'm like, you have to get this thing x-rayed. They get x-rayed and they're like, oh yeah, it is broke. So, I mean, he's kind of, um, you know, I think he's probably, I mean, I know everybody probably says about their own kids, but he, he's definitely probably a little tougher than a lot of eight-year-olds. That's fun. Yeah. I, I feel fortunate that he's as excited about it as I am. I mean, because I know, and, and I haven't pushed him. I mean, I've taken him ever since he's two, but yeah. I definitely am like, hey, if you want to do this, it's great. If you don't, that's okay, too. Um, uh-huh. And he's always chosen to do it. Was that a... Was that the first shed that he had scored? No, last year we did an overnight trip, and um, and he and he scored a shed, um, yeah. and that one, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I glassed the shed up up above us. We're kind of hiking up this big ridge, and I see it, and I just kind of keep my mouth shut. And as we're kind of, I'm kind of guiding my way up there, kind of keep my mouth shut. And finally, I was like, "Man, bud, I'm, I'm getting tired. I think you're gonna take the lead." And he's like, oh, "Okay, Dad. Yep, I can do that." <laughs> so he, he gets up about 30, 40 yards in front of me and literally just about steps on the damn shed. Hopefully Kai never listens to this when he's older, but he literally steps on it. And I was like, hey, Kai, wait up for me. So he stops, he turns around, and he looks down. Oh, there's a shed, Dad, I found one. Yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome. So he thinks he found that shed all on his own. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that's part of, you know, why he's excited about it. Like, I'm going to take my daughter out. And she's definitely a little less excited about it. And I was talking to my wife, and I'm like, I think I'm going to go plant a shed out there just to kind of get her kind of yeah. excited and motivated about it. I was gonna say, don't tell Tyler where you plant the shed. He'll come out there and steal it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you, some of these shed guys are crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's cool. Well, we got uh, some more listener questions we just wanted to hit on the show, and Lenny gets you to weigh in on it as well. Um, the first one, someone wrote in said, looking forward to these daily podcasts. Thanks for doing them. My question for you guys is, do you apply for all of the Western states for elk and mule deer points for future tags? Um, yeah, what's kind of, you don't have to answer in every nitty gritty detail, but like for you, Lenny, what's your general strategy as it comes to applications and points um, per species and state? Uh, I'm probably on the... I'm pretty far on the end of, I don't, I don't put in for much to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I put in for two States besides Idaho. Um, you know, I'm just so dang busy that in an Idaho, you know, the hunting is still good. I, you know, I only have 30 days and I don't know how guys, you know, fit in a whole bunch of States. Um, and, and killing a giant bull, you know, isn't, I mean, I want to kill a big one, but if I draw just an awesome tag, it's not the end all be all. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I'd say I put in for two States consistently and hopefully someday I'll get something. Yeah. How about for you, Steve? 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think Lenny and I have the same approach. Um, that you know, I, I'd, I'd probably put in for a little bit more than he does, but not much. I think I have points in Colorado, Nevada, and Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Arizona. Maybe I'd have to go look at my. I do. I do. I did create a uh, Google Doc spreadsheet like this uh, last year just to track that stuff because I there was one point I I never thought I'd put in for Colorado and I somehow I had two points there so uh, <laughs> it was kind of like oh oh okay um, but yeah I think Lenny and I you know we both um, the year we did the Alaska moose trip um, we both came back from that with like holy crap we are so fortunate here in Idaho um, we have amazing hunting unlimited public land. Uh, you buy the tags over the counter and just go, you know. Um, and so it kind of put everything into perspective. I, I think if obviously I was you, Mark, living in Missouri and you can only get out here for a one week hunt, yeah, I'd be, I'd have a point strategy and and be tracking that. But for living out here, it's it's um, it's not as important. And it just takes so much, as Lenny said, you got 30 days of September. It takes so much time and resources to go hunt another state that if you're going to do it, um, I kind of experience i've done a few out-of-state hunts uh, and it's really fun to go hunt new country and see new places but it's almost got to be a really premium premium hunt to kind of justify leaving idaho for you know any duration during during september so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah i'd agree because there's still so many places in idaho that i still haven't even seen so it's like uh why why spend all that time money and energy going to a completely different state and kind of gambling yeah. 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 Somebody just texted me, uh, maybe just messaged me on rock slide or something like that, asking advice about a certain unit. And it was like, it's literally in, uh, Eastern Idaho. And I, my, I was like, sorry, man, I can't help you at all. I have never been over there. And it was just like, there's so much good country to hunt between here and there that it's just like, it's not even practical or feasible for me to skip past all that drive past it just to get over there. Um, so, but I, I do think it's, yeah, it's worth, apply i mean wyoming well who knows these this point system's getting so messed up that if you're if you haven't started applying yet um man uh good luck catching up yeah yeah i mean it's you know it's one of those things like you take a state like new mexico where you know you don't get caught in that point creep you can't apply it's more luck of the draw that type of thing you know especially for guys who like myself are going to be non-resident hunters things like that make a lot of sense um, and then even states where you, I think, can gain points and then get into certain units that require points, but not in this exponential amount of points for being a quote unquote trophy unit. Like even in, you know, take some units in Colorado that you can just, you know, with two or three points, you can go hunt that unit. And so you can kind of make that, you know, things change, but you could make that a plan like, oh, every three to four years, I can expect to hunt here, that type of thing. Um, that would be my general strategy. I like you guys, I don't get caught up too much in it. I do, uh, look at points and draws and things like that, but I'm not the guy who's hitting every Western state with a strategy for every state. Um, we actually have a really good article on our blog from Dan Staten from Elk Shape, uh, with his tag and application and point strategy. And he lays it out pretty good. So if you guys want to read more about all of the different Western states, um, how they work in terms of points and strategies and applications, it'd be a great place to start. Um, you can just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash elk tags, and it's going to take you over to that article, um, which, you know, Dan's one of those guys that very strategic, has a lot of time. He can hit multiple states a year. And so he, that's something that he looks at a lot. But 
kind of like for you guys, for me, with limited time, it's not a huge part of what I do just because I know I'm not I'm not looking for that over-the-counter opportunity plus another tag every year to hunt two to three states at a time. Um, it's great if you can, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another question on power we got in, which actually, Steve, we just talked about this. Again, we keep mentioning this Pack Essential series that we've been working on, which is coming out soon, and we hit this topic a little bit. But this guy's writing in and says, how do you keep your phone charged on backcountry hunts? We will be living off of our backs for 11 days this coming September, and we'll be utilizing Onyx maps. I've been training with Onyx, and it seems to zap my battery life. I have a power bank and a solar charger, but I don't have plans to sit still in the middle of the day for it to charge. First thing I noticed when he said he's been training with Onyx and it's seemingly zapping his battery life is I'm just curious if he's continuing to use cell service and have maps downloaded over that cell service and if he's tracking because both of those things are going to give you much different battery life than if you download maps for offline use and then go into airplane mode which is what you're going to be doing for your time during the backcountry. I've actually found that I can run Onyx with offline maps and in um, airplane mode for five, six days, probably. I mean, it's going to depend on how much you're using it. But if you're not tracking, you're just using maps to pull up and reference and kind of get around. Um, the battery life is actually super impressive. Uh, but for you guys, Lenny, you can go first. What do you do for power? Do you do anything? Does it just depend on the scope of the hunt? That type of deal. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, same as you. I mean, obviously, running airplane mode is the key. You know, shutting off at night, throw your phone in the bottom of your sleeping bag if it's cold. That way, that the um, you know the cold doesn't zap your battery at night. Um, and then yeah, I do. I run a um, a power bank. Um, and then also, man, I I don't, I'm not sure what kind of hunting he's doing, but for 11 days. I guarantee you that you're going to have some afternoons where you're going to, you're going to want to rest and nap. I mean, that's a long time. So yeah. um, hopefully he will have some time to, to charge that thing because you can't go constantly for just physically. That would be too much. What are your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, I echo the same. Um, I said, just look at, uh, I would say if you're, you know, obviously cell phone batteries deteriorate over time. So if his phone's a couple of years old and, you know, if he can't make it through a full day with, you know, charging it at night, just kind of like regular use, then his battery's probably getting kind of shot. So he might want to look at replacing the battery in his phone if that's an option. Um, but let's say you have a newer-ish phone that's one year old, the battery lasts all day. I, in general, you're going to get four to five days, I would say, of use out of your phone. Putting it in airplane mode, put it in battery saver mode. Um, it should be pretty good. And, and uh, exactly as Lenny said, Shut it off at night. Put it in your sleeping bag with you. Um, and then as far as the battery bank is concerned, again, just find out. Look at the specs of your phone. So it's probably going to have a, you know, a 2800 milliamp battery. Uh, so if you if you get a, um, a 10,000 milliamp battery bank, that's going to charge your phone like three and a half times, right? Uh, so that gives you a pretty good idea of what you can kind of expect. And that's what I uh, I run on any longer hunt. Just make sure the phone's fully charged. And then I have a uh, 10,000 milliamp battery bank that uh, I just bought on Amazon for, you know, 30 bucks or something like that. Uh, and that should cover him. I don't think he would need a solar panel. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely, like I said, tr- running the tracking is going to eat up battery life. So just if uh, he's not using any of that, he shouldn't have any issues. Um, and then I don't, yeah, a solar panel. The, the only time I've packed a solar panel is on our trips to Alaska when it's, you know, make or break, um, that we're out there for uh, that duration. And I'd say there's a, 
you know, that's a, that's a hunt where you are stuck out there and you don't want to lose, you know, uh, don't want something to die. Oh, if this guy's going for an 11 day hunt, odds are at some point during that 11 days, he's going back to the truck to change, get new food, resupply and stuff like that. So he's probably have an opportunity to, to charge, charge stuff up there or grab a fresh battery bank or something. Well, anyway, we've been, um, we've been beating the dead horse of boots on these daily podcasts, but it's been like a full two days, <laughs> I think, since we've talked about boots. Um, and we had some more boots questions. They just keep coming in. So we're going to keep hitting the topic. Uh, but first of all, right now for you, Lenny, cause Steve and I have again, beat this like a dead horse. What are you wearing for boots? What are you happy with? What are you, are you trying anything? Have you settled on something? Please give us your thoughts on boots. Cause we need another opinion besides <laughs> Steve and I. <laughs> oh God. Infamous boots. Um, you know, I did. I ran uh, some crispies this year. Um, you know, the build quality in them, the waterproofness is just awesome. Um, I do have to run some double inserts in them to kind of keep the volume in them. And, you know, so I'm still kind of working with those. I'm super impressed with everything, but just, you know, the bottom of my big toe gets a little hot. I'm not sure why. Um, what model crispy? Yeah, are? I mean, they are the um thors right they're the lighter weight ones what's that they're not the thors yeah they are the thors thors okay that's what i thought yeah 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 which i i like those better than i they, I, I ran the summits for a couple of years and i actually like the thors significantly better than the summits i think that the footbed is maybe a little thicker um and just uh just how the boot is built i i mean i ran them up in alaska this year, which was, you know, wet all the time. And those things never leaked once, um, you know, Solomon's still to this day, I still have a couple old pair of Solomon's. I'll throw those on every now and again, and they just fit like a glove every single time. Just their build quality sucks. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, that's about it. You tried, what was, uh, you had some like North face trail running chew, didn't you? Two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've tried a lot, um, which I actually really, those are low tops. So I'd, I'd wear like a low gator with them. Super light, out of the box, really comfortable. Um, they di- they didn't last, they, they last in like a summer, but North Face does have like a guarantee. So you can just send them in, they send you a new pair. Um, but the new pair is blown out as well. So now I've kind of given up. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're that guy that don't mind sending them in all the time, it'd be okay. But, uh, the traction on those, the comfort out of the box was awesome, and they're super lightweight. I really enjoyed those. I did like a – I went over to eastern Idaho and did just kind of giant bonsai trip and just kept seeing another peak, and I'd go up that one. Next peak, I did like – I can't remember. It was like 35 miles and like 8,000 feet in like a day and a half or something, and um, they were awesome for that. But in about a month, they were destroyed. Yeah. So one of the specific questions we got, this guy wrote in and said he's been running Solomon Quest 4Ds and debating whether to buy a new pair or switch to Crispy. He says he loves the Quest, but he's tired of his feet getting wet out of the box. The Crispy Laponia and Thor models seem to be the closest to Solomon's, but I'm wondering whether you guys have any experience with either of those models. So have you run the Quests, Lenny? Yes. Okay. So you've run the Quests and the Thors, which is basically what this guy is asking specifically about. So what are your thoughts on that? pros and cons that type of thing um yeah i mean on the thors i mean it like as far as fit goes like i would run you know the, the stock 
insert and then I'd throw on a pair of sole inserts as well. And that helps significantly just to get more of a, it's the same type of volume that Solomon has. Um, but as far as build quality, I mean, it's not even close in my opinion. I mean, the Krispies are much better. I mean, they're waterproof much longer. Um, but th- there's definitely going to be a little bit of a break in period, which you won't be used to on the you know the quest. You just pull them out of the box and, and they're, they're good. Um, I also I, I like the traction a little bit better in the Quest than the Krispies. Um, yeah, I mean I th- think from a durability point of view, water point of view, he's going to be super happy with the Thors. But depending on his foot, the comfort might not be quite as good. Yeah, that, I mean that I haven't tried the Thors, but in general, Salmon versus Crispy, that's exactly my thoughts. Of you gain a lot in the Crispy in terms of build quality, durability, waterproofness, but potentially on your foot sacrifice some comfort or have to work harder to find you know basically how you achieve that comfort with insoles or break in that type of thing it's just not the same what about yep, um, I agree. yeah we had a separate guy write in about late season boots um unfortunately this guy's just going to inflate s- steve's point of view and he continues <laughs> to say that innovates are great and he agrees with having light and flexible shoes less fatigue etc cetera, etc cetera. but then he says however for late season, I've used Kenetrek Mountain Extremes for three years as I do a lot of hiking through knee-high snow and then a lot of glassing when it's cold. I'm tired of having cold feet when I'm glassing, so I'm looking at insulated winter boots like the Loa Alpine Expert, the Crispy Wild Rock, etc. I keep thinking about I keep thinking about that or sticking with something light such as the Innovates and using an overboot or something similar. I'm assuming while he's glassing and all that to keep from his feet getting cold. What are your what is your advice for elite season boots specifically? Um, what do you what do you do there, Steve? Knowing that you like a light boot and all that, when it comes to hunting in the um, snow and all that, and glassing for cold weather, what's your approach? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons I've been. You know, I, I don't necessarily have a perfect answer for this, and that it's one of the reasons I've been looking to find a boot that's like gives me you know at least some comfort and performance compared to the the trail running shoe um because later season is just you know it's just wetter you do need gore-tex to to last for a few days Uh, if it's just a day trip i'm actually not afraid at all to just wear a good thick rubber or a good thick wool sock um and uh and you get substantial warmth out of that so the to an insulated boot um, I know we've talked about this before, but if I have to hike up any distance, my feet would sweat so much that any benefit of that insulation is, is gone because my feet have then sweated so much. I stop in glass. They're just, they're wet and your feet are going to get cold instantly. So again, I've just had better luck with, I mean, really, you know, if you're going to sit, like he's talking about bringing like an overboot or a, like a down booty that you kind of slip on, you know, I'd stop, swap out your socks. If you know, you're going to be sitting in that spot for, you know, hours on end glassing swap out your socks and throw those over booties on. And I think that would work pretty dang well. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, something you just got to balance. There's, um, breathability, I think is an important factor of, of keeping your feet dry and and dry as warm. So, uh, finding a boot that that's waterproof and breathes well, that's the, that's a tricky balance. What do you got to add there, Lenny? Yeah. You know, I, I don't do a ton of, um, you know, I'm up here in McCall now, so it is, literally like blizzard snowing right now but so i'm getting more a little more used to the snow um but i guess it's been my experience that like if you're really in a lot of snow like you're on snowshoes and you're kind of on top of the snow i mean if you're post hauling you just can't get anywhere um 
so, so I guess for me, I, I wear the same pair of boots and throw on a good pair of gaiters, and that's that's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it just really comes down to how much are you moving. Um, that's just going to make such a big difference. And if you know you are on a multi-day trip where it's a combination of hiking hard and glassing, it's tough. I think the overboot is the way to go on that one. Personally, I've always like struggled with the insulated boots because if you get if you get a mild level of insulation, it might be okay while you're hiking. Again, as you mentioned, Steve, you get to that point where you're like doing more harm than good with getting your feet sweaty and then they're wet. And then, you know, then you're all in all kinds of trouble. But at the same time, when you're just truly still in glassing, it, it almost takes a lot of insulation to truly keep you warm. Even thinking of like coming from my white tail background and sitting in a tree stand when it's crazy cold, like you can rock a heavy heavy grams of insulation when you're truly immobile to try and keep your feet warm is tough um at least it is for me and i have pretty crappy blood flow so that doesn't help but um yeah it's just a tough balance i the overboot thing is what appeals to me most for a trip where you're have a combination of hiking relatively hard but then longer stretches of glassing for sure um you know i ran like the crispies this past fall I ran their Nevadas with like a 200 gram insulation and it's noticeable um, and can be helpful in certain conditions, could be harmful in certain conditions in terms of overheating. But if you're truly just sitting in glassing, just that level of insulation, nothing against crispy, it's just 200 grams of insulation is only going to do so much um, when you're truly immobile and the weather's truly cold. So it's tough. I mean, this guy mentioned, I don't think I read it when I first uh read his question but he he also did mention that he is switching out his socks to keep his feet dry which is really important um and then something that i noticed even more when we were on our caribou hunt was in alaska was actually taking your feet out of the boots and letting Mm -hmm. them get some circulation and air exposure to dry out like is you know polar opposite as it seems to take your feet out of a warm boot um letting get some airflow and dryness actually can help keep them warm Um, or get rid of that cold feeling so that's something to keep in mind as well if you do build a fire or something like that or just have an opportunity to dry things out that's going to make a big difference yeah i've had good luck with that in the past you're just sitting there and you just get so cold and you're basically your feet just aren't moving inside the shoe right um so yeah just letting them out kind of stretching your toes just like wiggling your toes and uh swap out the socks and and it helps quite a bit and i said i want to i want to try some of those down over boots because i think Last year, my experience using the, the first light uh, down gloves, uh, I was so impressed with those. Those have to just, they have to work equally as well on your feet. Be a, a killer setup when you're going to sit there for a while. So, Yeah. Yeah. And there's different ones out there. Um, there's some that are just truly down booties, um, you know, with a really thin shell. What appealed to me was trying to find some that were relatively light, but that had some level not of like a rigid sole to them but even from a fabric perspective that were a little bit reinforced so if you did have to get up and take a quick step um you know mm-hmm. you're not going to shred tendy or something like that um there's actually ones from a company called wild things and they actually make these for the military but i'm pretty sure you can find them on the public market um and they actually have um, like a thousand D little outer sole on them, just on the lower part. Um, the rest is a lighter shell fabric. And so they're not the lightest option in the world, but the fact that you could use them as a camp shoe and, you know, 
step out of the tent or whatever, take a leak, or if you're glassing, you could go over to your buddy who glassed something. Like just taking that little bit of steps without shredding them was really appealing. So those are the ones that'd be high on my list to look at, but I know that there's a bunch of others out there as well. Yeah, and I think what's so important about that too is if you have a booth that maybe the fit isn't just perfect and you can get them out of it kind of routinely and it's not in there, you know, 20, you know, 20 hour, 12 hours a day or whatever, that helps us so much with just your foot fatigue or blisters or anything else. Cool. Lenny, what else is happening, man? What are you looking forward to? What's uh, what's life like in this uh, crazy times we've got going on? Um, you know, it's pretty awesome, honestly. Um, you know, I have two kids, eight and six, um, boy and girl. My wife is homeschooling them right now because the schools are shut down. And, yeah. uh, you know, my wife, she's like super type A, like alarm clock went off yesterday, like get up, like we're having breakfast, school starts in 20 minutes. She's got the desk area set up and she's got an agenda. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, but it's really cool to see, you know, her kind of stepping up and, and the kids, you know, in a different, watching her in a different role of teaching them. And, you know, everyone just kind of embracing what we got going on here. And, um, you know, we're a pretty tight family as it is anyway. So um, it's not like we're getting sick of each other. I saw something the other day that said more couples are getting divorced because they're stuck with, with each other during this quarantine. But uh, not us. I saw that, but then I've also seen the stats saying that there's going to be a baby boom after this whole thing. <laughs> there has to be. <laughs> there's got to be. <laughs> oh, how true is that, I bet. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, but up here at McCall, it's a little tough right now because the weather's been, we still have a probably foot, foot and a half on the ground up here. And it's been snowing kind of daily an inch or so still. So <clears throat> since we can't hardly get out, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a little, we're cooped up a little bit here, but it's all right. You know, normally we could still be skiing or, you know, snowmobiling or something, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's cool. It's, you know, it is good to try and find the bright side in this mess. You know, it's, it's easy to get frustrated by the news and the whole situation. And, you know, God forbid for anyone who's being directly affected by this, whether that's work or health or anything, there's, there's a lot of negative, but trying to stay on focused on the positive as much as you can is going to make a big difference. And, you know, it's, it's cool. Like you said, that just kind of the family dynamics that change for the better way. And even looking at my kids, um, we've held out like, for example, on, on video games for as long as possible, but caved and got my son, um, a game system for Christmas. And when this whole thing shut down and school shut down, I was like, Oh my God, it's going to be such a pain in the butt. Cause I'm going to have to try and fight with him about staying off the Xbox for too long. He literally hasn't touched it in like a week. And it's not because we've told him no it's just he's been entertaining himself and they're still homeschooling but they're he's playing with his sister more and they're having fun it's like that is so cool to see uh, yeah i would agree I, i've seen that too the, the brother sister dynamics i mean because now it's like my son has to be nice to my daughter because otherwise he has nobody to play with so it's yeah. kind of fun to watch nice well Lenny, thanks for taking the time to join us man i'm sure the, it, people are probably getting sick of me and steve so you added some good flavor to it yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It was good catching up. And um, yeah, during these crazy times, make the best of it.